Hello, and welcome to Cracking Krakoa number nine, the history of Namor and the X-Men. Namor the Submariner playing a critical role in the pages of Powers of Ten, number five, the most recent release in the House of X, Powers of Ten, Jonathan Hickman written X-Men event experience. I'm going to talk about not only what does it mean for Namor to have been making an appearance here in the pages of this X-Men mutant-oriented book, but looking at the fact that effectively he is the holdout of mutant kind. We're going to look at why is he holding out, what's his history with the X-Men, and what does it mean for Professor X to get on his level. Will he need a space shuttle or a ladder that's forever? That's what we're going to explore here on Cracking Krakoa. This is the series that I do here. I'm Dave, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. You can find reading orders and guides for everything from the Jonathan Hickman written X-Men experience to Namor the Submariner, and I'll include links in the show notes as well. But Cracking Krakoa is my video and podcast series that you can find on the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or Best Comics Ever podcast, where I talk about everything, the moments and events and details from House of X and Powers of Ten as we have this transformative moment in X-Men history. I'm talking about the aspects that are most exciting to me and providing some history and context and a little bit of theory moving forward so that, you know, I can explore these things that interest me and hopefully you can enjoy, um, you know, some detail and, and additional information to color your experience enjoying these comics as well. I've been getting some really good feedback in terms of comments and ideas and theories, uh, both on the YouTube channel, over on comicbookherald.com, and of course through Best Comics Ever, the pod, uh, just from people having their own theories and ideas about what's going on in the pages of these X-Men books. Um, on the the video I did not too long ago, the Kraken Krakow, I think it was number seven, is Scarlet Witch a mutant? It got a lot of really interesting theories there in the YouTube comments in particular of people theorizing, you know, how, how could that matter? Because as we talked about there, Wanda's referred to as the Great Pretender. But we're not here today to discuss Scarlet Witch. We are here today to discuss Namor, the Sub-Mariner. Now, if you like comicbookherald.com, if you like what I'm doing here on the YouTube channel, or, of course, on the podcast, you can go and like and subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. I think, as I mentioned here in YouTube specifically, I am rapidly approaching 1,000 subscribers, which would be a really significant and exciting milestone for myself and for CBH. So if you like what I'm doing here, please consider liking and subscribing. It helps out Comic Book Herald quite a bit. Or if you like the content, as always, commenting, sharing with a friend, um, just coming on back, checking out comicbookherald.com. Always, always much appreciated. And finally, thank you to everybody on patreon.com slash comicbookherald for supporting the site and the content and making these things possible. All right. Up on the screen here, I've got the images that I'll be talking about today as we talk through Namor's history with the X-Men and, of course, the full reading order over on comicbookherald.com. Now, I actually published this in early 2018. I finally got around to read a request for the Namor Submariner complete reading order. So this will take you through his entire history, which goes all the way back to Marvel Comics number one in 1939. Um, but I actually was so inspired by Namor's appearance in Powers of, of Ten here, number five, to to do a little investigating. And then I was so inspired by his appearances in the ongoing Invader series, which we're going to talk about a bunch. Stick around to the end here to see the secret history of Namor and Professor X. I actually just updated this. So this is freshly updated Namor reading order. Uh, and again, the link for that is going to be in the show notes. So, okay, what's the context for this conversation, let's talk a bit 
about Namor's appearance in Powers of Five. Professor X is going around with Magneto, and he is making his case for all of mutant kind joining them on Krakoa, right? Like we saw at the end of House of X number five. And again, House of X number five is out. Powers of, X, Powers of 10 number five is out. If you're not caught up with these and you don't want to be spoiled, bail. <laughs> Go read them, then come back, because I'm going to be talking about all the most recent comics that have been released in this event. I'm also going to be talking a lot about Namor's history throughout time. So again, like if you're if you're super spoiler worried, um, you know, I've got links where you can check out the comics you should be reading prior to heading in. Otherwise, of course, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to intentionally spoil like big twists and turns or anything, but I'm going to be talking about things that have happened. So when Professor X comes to Namor and says, hey, come join us on Krakoa, keep in mind, this is with the knowledge that we already have that Apocalypse has joined them. Magneto, of course, has joined them. Mr. Sinister, uh, Gorgon, Omega Red, apparently, right? We've gotten all these teases of X-Men villains that are like, yeah, we'll put aside our differences and we will join this Krakoan project. We will come home to you, to mutant kind. That's pretty crazy, I think, in retrospect. And what is fascinating about this conversation with Namor, to me, is Namor is the one to say, do I strike you as someone who's just now realized how much better I am than everyone else? And do you actually think I believe that you feel that way, too? Go away, little man, and don't come back until you really mean it. Namor's the one and who is willing to, to have the arrogance but also the confidence to stand up to Professor X and just look at him like he is this tiny, pitiful little man who can't get on Namor's level. I think it's completely fascinating. So as I explore here today, I'm going to be looking at why is Namor holding out, okay? Why is he doing this? He's the king of Atlantis, yes, but again, like we've seen Apocalypse join the, you know, the island of Krakoa here. It's not it's not like supervillains aren't joining. What's his history with the X-Men? And looking at the quote that Hickman and company have pulled here in the pages of Powers of Ten, number five, when you see me again, understand what that means. Namor saying that to Professor X. That's kind of vague. What does that mean? <laughs> right? So we're gonna try to answer that question as well. What does it mean? For Professor X and Mutant Kind to get on Namor's level. So, before we get into that, let's look at a little bit of the history of Prince Namor the Submariner. He was created by Bill Everett in 1939, Prince Namor the Submariner, and he really does begin as a, a supervillain. I think he gets credited oftentimes as kind of like comics' first anti-hero, and I think that's true, but honestly, Namor's role as as a villain is almost underrated today, and we're going to talk about how that's kind of being brought back, but he starts out as a character who is, he's all in on defending Atlantis, his kingdom, and a lot of times his grievances are understandable, right? It's, it's humankind uh, polluting or, you know, running like nuclear testing that destroys parts of Atlantis. So it, as readers, we can kind of see in the early going why he would want to lash out potentially at humankind. But at the same time, he is murdering and killing and kind of rampaging all over Earth. You know, we see in his earliest appearances in the pages of Marvel Comics and then Marvel Mystery Comics, he's doing things like letting killer elephants loose. This guy is out of control, okay? And, you know, even as he progresses well past the 40s, and, of course, his most famous appearances, I believe it's Marvel Mystery Comics, I think 9 through 11, maybe 8 through 10. I've, I've definitely got it in the reading order guide. He fights the Human Torch. The android, Human Torch, Jim Hammond, Marvel's first kind of big-time hero. 
they cross over. But, you know, Namor's the bad guy, right? Namor's the villain in that scenario. And again, like in the 70s, we'll see Namor teaming up with Doctor Doom in supervillain team-up, you know? And he teams up with the Hulk fighting the Avengers in Avengers number three, right? Like he's got this whole long history of being a villain, okay? The turn for Namor to kind of more heroism comes when World War II really kicks off in earnest for America. We do see in the pages of Marvel Mystery Comics, Namor is, he is on the side of what will come to be known as the invaders. Here we see his fake-out whales opening up the side hatch to reveal Atlantean weaponry to take out Nazi U-boats and, and, you know, destroyers. And in addition to that being just completely awesome technology, the takeaway here is Namor, kind of during World War II, becomes on the side of the likes of Captain America, Bucky Barnes, and the rest of the invaders. So that's the Golden Age Namor. When Namor comes back in the 1960s Silver Age, really when Marvel Comics comes back, there's there's a, a strange sort of reveal that Namor is back in Fantastic Four number four, where Johnny Storm finds a homeless, amnesiac, bearded man who turns out to be the actual Namor, the Submariner. There's a very funny scene where Johnny Storm actually burns off his beard to reveal the perfect uh, countenance of Namor of Atlantis. But again, he comes back there. He's a bit villainous, but for his love, uh, sort of immediate affection. For Susan Storm. Now we do also see him in the pages of some very early Uncanny X-Men comics where it is revealed that Namor is in fact a mutant and we find, you know, Professor X and Magneto stumbling across this fact as well, hunting down and trying to get Namor to join their team. This, you know, it really doesn't go anywhere, but the important takeaway, even though Namor doesn't join either of them at this time, is that Namor is also a mutant. So not only is he one of Marvel's first heroes, uh, anti-heroes, I should say, and villains, and, and really kind of standout characters who, you know, spans Fantastic Four, Avengers, Uncanny X-Men as the Silver Age really launches in earnest, um, but he is born of an Atlantean mother and a human father and also a mutant, which is what grants him so he can breathe on air, in water, on air. Yep, that's that's what we call being out in uh being out in, you know, just normal walking on the ground is I refer to that as on air. Um you can breathe in water and but the you know the things like super strength and flight and super speed and these sorts of things that he has, the kind of all purpose, you know, Superman syndrome, is uh that's his mutant powers really coming to the forefront. Not all Atlanteans have those powers. So that's kind of important because, again, it could be kind of confusing to you, potentially, reading Powers of Ten, uh, number five, thinking, why why would Namor go to Krakoa, right? Like, it, being a mutant is not central to his being until a little bit later in Marvel Comics history. But again, like, he's got a history throughout the Silver Age and even longer of of really having it up to here <laughs> with, with the human population. Um, he tries to sue all of the human race at one point using Matt Murdock as his lawyer in the pages of Silver Age Daredevil. And even today, in, in present-day comics, kind of 2018 to 2019, we're seeing a return to Namor. Because there, there's a stretch that I'm skipping there, a big jump that I'm skipping there, where Namor, he fights on the side of the angels. You know, plenty. He is a He becomes an Avenger at one point. You know, he joins up with the Avengers team. Um, so even through his villainous things, they give him a chance at redemption. If you get to like the John Byrne written and drawn early 1990s series, 
he's generally benevolent. He's running a corporation, um, trying to do environmental good. He is helping people on Earth. This is often at odds with what the Atlantean people want. Um, but, you know, this is not like this is not super uncommon to his character portrayal. Kind of once you get past like supervillain team up in the 70s. But we get closer to today. We see Namor here fighting Thor. He's had at it with the Avengers. We're going to talk about some specifics of that in a little bit. Here we see him fighting Captain Marvel. This is during the Jason Aaron written Thor run. In issues number 7 to 12 in particular, Namor is the supervillain. The Avengers are are trying to handle in a lot of ways. You know, he forms a, a collective known as the Defenders of the Deep, which are basically his Avengers of the Sea. But he is very much at odds with the hero community of Marvel. So, okay, that's sort of the history of Namor. I think it's important to call out his his sort of villainous roots, at least from our perspective, again, you know, or from the Avengers, you know, Earthbound hero perspective, because those tend to get overlooked, potentially, because he has been heroic at times. Speaking of which, Namor has a pretty long and decent history with the X-Men. Actually, not that long but a decent history with the X-Men uh, starting around the time of Dark Reign. This is about 2009. This is a Marvel Comics event. Following Secret Evasion, you have Norman Osborn, the once and future Green Goblin. Uh, he kind of takes over like the Nick Fury role of the Marvel Universe. And while he's doing this, he recruits or kind of brings on Namor as part of his Dark Reign cabal, sort of the, the villainous masterminds behind all of what's going on, and also a member of the Dark X-Men. So he got Norman kind of comparing himself to Namor as both supervillain and superhero, which I got to say, not a good look for Namor to be in the same camp as Norman. And you get Namor, you know, his character trait, one of the biggest ones, one of the most consistent ones, is definitely like arrogance uh, to a degree that is befitting of a king, I suppose. Um, he's on Doom's level, I think, in terms of just no one can compare to me, no one should dare to speak to me, and that that is definitely how he is speaking to uh, to Norman Osborn here as they're kind of having a Dark Reign Cabal meeting. The fact that I even allow you to speak directly to me is a gift I bestow upon you. You beg for my appreciation and then wait to see if I choose to bestow it upon you. It is definitely a masterclass in talking down to someone trying to to assert their leadership over you. But even with all that said, he joins up with the Dark X-Men, with Emma Frost at the front, um, and kind of from there... From there, and I won't spoil too many details, that happens in the pages of Utopia. It's written by Matt Fraction. I believe art by Terry Dodson. Um, but really from there, we get a run from like 2009 through really like 2012 where Namor's mutanthood is central to the character. So there was this ongoing series called Namor the First Mutant. Here we have a cover by Jai Lee, which is really the covers are like kind of one of the best things about that series. But... You know, they're playing up the fact that Namor's a mutant, and he also becomes a central member of X-Men leadership with Cyclops and Emma Frost heading up the X-Men over on Utopia Island during this period in time. This all leads to, you know, Namor and Magneto have had supervillain team-ups in the past, and now they are both joining the X-Men at this point in time. Again, we see, you know, Namor has a long history with Doctor Doom, which gets explored a little bit in the first mutant. 
But ultimately, this builds to 2012's event, Avengers vs. X-Men, where Namor, Emma Frost, Colossus, Magneto, Cyclops, Ileana Rasputin, they all kind of give in to the Phoenix Force in the big old Avengers X-Men event. And this is the point in time where Namor is the one who, uh, through the Phoenix Force, destroys an enormous chunk of Wakanda, which leads to a huge royal beef that he has, Atlantis and Wakanda. But even after that fact, recently, 2016-2017, Namor's been on X-Men Red, a series written by Tom Taylor. Here we have, you know, Jean Grey, Laura Kinney, and, uh, and Gabby talking to Namor and making jokes about his refusal to wear clothes. Um, but, you know, like, he's had heroic acts, I suppose, as a member of the X-Men. All of this builds to a secret history that Namor has revealed now in the pages of Invaders, written by writer Chip Zdarsky, and a super underrated ongoing right now at Marvel. At the time of recording, I believe nine issues have been released, and there's two reasons you should take note of Invaders if you're a fan of House of X and Powers of Ten. One, it's the first Marvel ongoing that I've noticed reference Krakoa in the pages of its own continuity, which I think is super cool. And two, it's got this secret history between Professor X and Namor. So, as I mentioned, when Namor is found in the Silver Age by Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four number four, it's probably 1962, 63 maybe. Um, I'm going to go 62, go with my gut. He's an amnesiac. He cannot remember basically what has happened since the Golden Age, which is kind of a convenient, you know, Lee Kirbyism to get from, hey, we know this character was created. We want to bring him back 20 years later, but we don't want to explain what he's been doing for 20 years, right? And so the fact that he's amnesiac is something that, like, Roy Thomas would address in the pages of once Subby finally got his own ongoing in 1968. It's being explored now by Zadarsky in 2019. Why, you know, kind of was he really amnesiac? And, like, actually, no. The answer is Xavier and Namor sort of met up during this time. You have Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch, investigating. And, and kind of what they're trying to figure out, too, is why has Namor gone bad again? You know, why has he broke bad to the degree that he has in the pages of Avengers and then Invaders when, you know, throughout time he's had he's had so many roles. He's been, like Jim Hammond says here, the benevolent Avenger, the warrior king, the environmental CEO. And I got to just call out here, love the touch of Time Magazine's person of the year being Timely Magazine. Absolutely brilliant. Timely, of course, being the, the ownership group that Marvel Comics number one started under. Cap calls out in the pages of Avengers here the events of Avengers number 9 and 10 where Namor murdered Roxxon employees, American citizens, on American soil in cold blood, right? And the Avengers respond to that. Namor gets away in all this. But, like, he is he Namor is not just, you know, threatening a tidal wave here. He is murdering. He is killing. He is acting the role of the supervillain. And, and this is something that Hammond and Steve Rogers, Captain America, are exploring and what they find is that this time period where Professor X sort of tracked down Namor. Uh, this is pre-Cerebro Professor X days, where he was literally like wandering and reading newspaper clippings and playing like uh, he's playing like glass in uh, in Unbreakable, you know, like trying to put together the clues of where mutants might be. He actually tracks down Namor 
and and then through his telepathy is able to identify you know sort of the signals of a mutant but then namor and professor x team up and they kind of go wandering the countryside looking for more mutants and they finally find one and it's this mutant genus g-e-n-u-s who can transform the species of any living creature okay and they meet him in kind of a heated situation he's being uh threatened by police he's in like the very public area and he transforms i believe a police officer like kind of into some sort of like half wolf half man and professor x and namor immediately sort of blow up over this revelation they professor x seems pretty excited he's like the he could this guy with his power set he could turn people into mutants and we could have everyone being mutants instead of as he says crisscrossing the country looking for our kind namor at this point in time lashes out and says you fool you think that's how this will go. Once the humans find out about this mutant, it will be mutants turned human, a cure before we've even begun. So already he's worried about, you know, government using, uh, you know, like this power set against mutants, which I think is a fair concern, given all of we know about how the X-Men have been treated in Marvel Comics history. Okay, this situation, a heated situation, goes bad. An officer, Professor X, was holding the officers at bay, keeping them from firing. Namor attacking him ruins this. An officer shoots and seemingly kills Janice. And then Namor and Xavier, they really blow up from here, right? They're not going to go on, but Professor X, as is his way, he kind of messes with Namor's mind. He says, Namor, you're too heated. You're too hot after World War II. I need to calm you down. Let me provide you some therapy, some mental therapy, um, in the form of your dead friend, Tommy Mackin, who died in the war in World War II, was a good pal of yours. I'm going to put him in your head as therapeutic counsel. And Professor X, in doing this, has the unintended effect of, like, destroying Namor's psyche. Okay? He kind of splits it in two. And Namor has lived his whole Marvel Comics life with this sort of secret individual in his mind, subconsciously acting on his behalf. There's a scene here where Namor mentions that when he was founding Oracle Inc., that Tommy was was driving some of what was happening. You know, it was plans that are happening in Namor's head, but it's through this alternate personality. I don't know that it could be said that they're playing with, like, disassociative identity disorder the way that maybe Moon Knight does in the Marvel Comics universe so much as there's, like, there's a subconscious, almost like Fight Club, you know, Tyler Durden part of Namor's psyche where he does things and doesn't remember doing them because they are through this this sort of um, psychic uh, representation that Professor X left behind and then bailed on. So chalk it up to another one of Professor X's classic, you know, mistakes that he has made over time. But all of this is now coming to a head in the pages of Avengers where we have here teased World War Namor. He is he is like full on supervillain mode, and what Captain America and and Bucky Barnes and Jim Hammonds and, and the Invaders are all kind of concluding is like it's not necessarily his fault that this has happened in his mind, and maybe there's a part of him if we could have some you know a telepath like restore his mind to the way it was, maybe we could bring Namor back, but he is too far gone as a supervillain. This world war that he's launching is actually using. Those powers that we talked about to transform uh, just normal American citizens into water breathers, basically. He's transforming them into Atlanteans uh, using the powers of 
Genesis, you know, this thing that Professor X and him once feutered about potentially turning people into mutants. He's kind of doing a version of that, but making it so that, you know, people who are previously American citizens now have to live underwater and breathe, um, you know, Atlantean style. So to me, what that indicates to a degree is when Namor says, you know, he asks the question, what does it mean for Professor X to be on his level? It kind of makes me think he has to be willing to be a full-on supervillain, you know, in, in the or have the perspective of a full-on supervillain. Now, what we know about Professor X in the pages of Krakoa, and we have here a, a, on the YouTube screen a, an image of Namor and Professor X as members of the Illuminati during Brian Michael Bendis's you know, origin of this team, New Avengers Illuminati. Really great five-issue miniseries with Iron Man, Black Bolt, Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, all teaming up on, with them to take on the world's greatest problems. You know, Na Namor and Professor X obviously sharing history here. Um, Namor not remembering necessarily the time that he and Professor X spent together, or if he does, is he is you know keeping it at bay to a degree. But what I was getting at is Professor X in House of X, as we know it, is still kind of trying to work with humanity, right? Professor X, Magneto, Myra, presumably behind the scenes, we don't we haven't seen her yet, are all they've crafted this you know kind of pharmaceutical based. Uh, program where other countries will respect Krakoan authority. They will need Krakoa as, you know, a pharmaceutical asset, but mutant kind will have their safe haven, sort of their Genosha, even though it is amplified. But then again, we also see Professor X with quotes, you know, I think in Powers of Ten, Five, saying they'll think we're doing one thing when we're doing another. So maybe there is more to it. Maybe. But he hasn't explained it necessarily to Namor, and Namor is saying, you're still playing nice. You think, you think you're, you know, like... I, I kind of think when Namor says, when you're really ready, when you, you know, when you know what that means, come to me, I kind of feel like he's talking about world conquest and or or potentially using this Genesis technology that he's using to turn people into Atlanteans to turn everyone into mutants, potentially, you know, saying like, you're not taking this far enough. We should not just be sitting here living amicably with humankind. I think that's where Namor's at. And it'll be interesting to see because obviously Jonathan Hickman, the writer, has a plan. He has a plan for mutant kind, and it's going to be developed in Dawn of X, and I am extremely excited about it. He also has a really cool history writing the character of Namor. You know, we've seen him in the pages of New Avengers, in particular, in his version of the Illuminati. So he's got an idea about what the King of Atlantis wants, I think, no question. The question I have is, will he be playing with his ideas that are being expounded in the pages of Invaders by writer Chip Zdarsky, or will he kind of move on and do his own thing? I like the idea of these connecting. Again, the fact that Invaders has mentioned Krakoa is, to me, a very slight indication that there might actually be some continuity pulls. And in Powers of Ten number 5, we do see some of the more recent continuity pulls by Hickman than we've seen throughout this series, which in many ways has been sort of ignoring, you know, kind of modern X-Men continuity. We see uh, Emma Frost talking about, and this is, in Congress with what I have up on the YouTube screen for the record, but we see Emma Frost talking about her time as the Black King of the Hellfire Club, which happened very, very recently in a one-shot X-Men Black, Emma Frost, which is actually a really good Emma Frost story I recommend people check out. Um, X-Men Black is sort of uneven, but, but those are all kind of interesting. But Emma Frost in particular is good. I think that one's written by Leah Williams. Long story short, I like the idea 
of these things playing together. I like the idea of this being what Namor means when he says, you know, come to me when you're really ready. And I think this is very much in line with the way Hickman has written Namor previously. If you remember from New Avengers and Time Runs Out and the Build the Secret Wars, Namor is the one who is willing to pull the trigger and destroy worlds once all the rest of the New Avengers have lost their resolve. And I think, honestly, at this point in the story, it's almost easy to side with Namor because they've been destroying worlds for so long that all of a sudden to see the rest of the New Avengers sort of lose their will and lose their resolve and say it's not worth it, Namor's the only one willing to stand up and say, of course this is worth it. Now watch as I do what you could not and and sort of sacrifice the the perspective of morality as he destroys worlds and then takes on leading the cabal of Thanos and his Black Order and Maximus the Mad and Terax the Terrible and, and, you know, a little bit later, the Maker sort of finding them and working together. He sacrifices all the pieces of him that would be, quote-unquote, good from our, our understanding of what, you know, a former Avenger should be doing, and he sacrifices all that in order to preserve life. And I think when, you know, you talk about sacrifices and you talk about, you know, what he's saying to Professor X in terms of come to me when you're ready to, to really commit, to really commit to what it really means to ask for my help when you see me again, understand what that means. I think this is what he's talking about. I think he's saying, yeah, I know everyone reading House of X and Powers of Ten is blown away <laughs> by your cool ideas of Krakoa. Namor saying, I'm not impressed. And that's awesome. It's very true to Namor's character. And I think it's going to be pretty fascinating to see what kind of role Namor, the first mutant, has in the pages of X-Men moving forward. So there you have it. That's the history of Namor and the X-Men, including the secret history of Namor and Professor X in the pages of Invaders. I highly recommend people check out Invaders. I've been having a lot of fun reading that lately as a companion here to a degree to House of X and Powers of Ten. So... Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, if you like the content here, please consider liking and subscribing on YouTube. Please consider subscribing to the podcast on Best Comics Ever. Or, as always, just go on over to comicbookherald.com where you can find new writing, new reading order guides, and all sorts of comic book analysis daily. I'm Dave. Thanks for listening. And as always, enjoy the comics.